Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, my name is Aid. You probably know the voice by now. We've done one or two of these. Uh, this is show, actually this is show 185. So maybe more than one or two. Uh, sadly, um, Rach not with us again this week. Uh, she is coming back soon. No, uh, definitely coming back soon. Uh, I do have though uh, my sidekick, my better half, my partner in podcasting crime. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm um, I'm doing very well. I mean, you know, we have got at least 185 previous, 184 previous podcast crimes committed. I feel that like that's quite a good description, really. Partner in podcast <laughs> crimes or crimes against podcasting, however you want to phrase it. Do you, do you know what? As we record this, right, two days from now, I'm going to meet the person in in real life. I'm going to meet the person whose fault it is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and you are as well, aren't you? Are you coming I down to town on Thursday? That is the plan. I bought a train ticket, so I'm at least 50% of the way there. Now all I have to do is use the train ticket to get down. And um, yes, I uh, I sincerely hope so, because it would be lovely to get to meet Chris. Finally, after all these years, and basically say, what have you done to our <laughs> yes, lives? Look, look, look what you did. This is your legacy. So yeah. for, the, for those who don't know the history, um, uh, Graham and I first met on the internet in a forum for an old uh, uh, an old photography forum called Pixelated Photographer. And there was an associated podcast run by a chap called Chris Gillock, um, an expatriate Welshman who lives in Tokyo. Uh, and uh, so because he lives in Tokyo, we've never met. Uh, and, and yet, and yet, we will meet for the first time on Thursday evening, hopefully. Um, so that is going to be fun. Um, and uh, a moment of truth. We go to meet our maker, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not before time. <laughs> Any, anyway, anyway, uh, it's not just the two of us. So we're rudely ignoring our super special guest for this evening. So so what what you've, you've done, uh, as always, uh, the pre-production work of arranging everything. So <clears throat> you get the honour of introducing our guest. In the loosest possible sense, this is actually somebody who I think we've probably said, oh, we're going to have this person on and talked about it and tried to organise it in the past. But every time he slipped through our fingers like a wiggly eel. Um, uh, like a lamppost in the night. <laughs> yeah. Did you know eels used to be a currency in England? Anyway, um, it is from uh, internet awesomeness. Uh, from Everybody will know him from Twitter and Instagram as Barnaby Nut, but it is the one and only Ian Nuts. We've pinched him from the Viewfinder Vikings to bring him here. <laughs> all for our very selves ian welcome to the show hello hello it's uh, it's really nice to be kind of interacting with you rather than just listening it's quite a strange thing I, i'm not after keeping reminding myself not just to sit here and listen that i that, do that actually need to, to me speak all so. the time i wouldn't worry about it at all <laughs> i have no. the opposite problem i just sit here and don't listen <laughs> <laughs> um it's weird for me too you know for, because we've had your voice on the podcast before you recorded a piece for us last year when you were um up a very windy hill uh taking pictures um so we've heard your voice so yeah it's lovely to actually finally get you on the show yeah, i think really we'd, good to be we'd originally hoped to talk to you back before christmas um when we were taking on the last um assignment which was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, day and tonight, I think. And I think I'll let you down with, with minutes to go before the recording. I'm, I, I do apologise for that. but uh. <laughs> Well, that's all right. We forgive you. We love you anyway, Ian. But it's great to have you. Because um, we've got you back now because it seems like the perfect time. Because this assignment, uh, which we've set ourselves, the idea of producing a zine and, and actually seeing it through and doing it rather than talking about it, um, 
as with all of these things, we need help. <laughs> we need help. Um, and you have been quite prolific with your zine making over the last, well, few years now, up to the point where um, very recently you produced, shot and produced a zine in pretty much one day, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think I'm, I think I'm seven zines in now. Um, a couple have been collaborations, sort of gathering together, together other people's work. Um, but yeah, as you say, the last one was... Uh, was um, a day, one roll of film, and I went out, shot the roll, got home, processed it, scanned it, produced the zine, uploaded it, and, and ordered it all in sort of 24 hours. Uh, and the, the part of the reason for doing that, that was just to kind of demonstrate that zines are or can be that simple, that they don't have to be like a life's work or, or years in the making, that you can do these fairly in a fairly straightforward way, you know? Yeah. So a, a good place to start with this is why zines in the first place. At, at this point, um, more and more zines are coming out. More and more people are getting into making it. It feels like that there are more services appearing for making it easier to make it. But um, as you said, you're seven zines in. You started a few years ago. What was the impetus to make your first zine? Well, I think I think discovering that you could make these things as cheaply as you can. Um, so... You know, back Aidan and I were just talking that sort of 10 or 12 years ago when we were first getting into photography, one of the ways of, of producing a book was to use Blurb, a service called Blurb, where you could make a, you know, you can make a hardback book. But the things ended up costing you 30 or 40 quid a time. Um, finding out that you can get kind of print on demand zines for one or two pounds a time. And this is obviously um, professionally printed rather than kind of handmade zines. We'll perhaps come on to those later. But just the idea that these things can be so cheap and it, it serves two purposes, really. First of all, it gets your work into print, which I think is is the ultimate, should be the, the you know, the end game, the, the goal for anybody who's, who's producing photographic work is to get the thing back into a physical form, number one. But also the idea that, um, again, talking to, to Aid earlier, the a zine you can read it you can enjoy it took it away on a shelf and then forget about it and maybe maybe in 10 years time you'll be clear, clearing off that shelf and rediscover that zine and rediscover somebody's work and that's never going to happen with instagram you know it's, um you're never going to go 10 years back in time and look at look at what somebody was doing um but with a zine or with a you know with a simple book or or, or um publication like this then that's always an opportunity and i, I think I think that's that was the attraction for me, just so twofold, getting things out into other people's hands, you know, and uh, and and the idea that we could sort of stumble across these things in years to come and, and enjoy them again. Do you know what? I, you... I, I, it turns out, yes, because in, in that conversation just now, well, it turned out that I actually have done this before. <laughs> which I, so uh, we uh, uh, I was clearing out a bookshelf uh, at the weekend to, to donate some uh, books to charity so that they could be enjoyed by others and, and could free up a bit of space in the house. Um, the, these are sort of you know, paperback novels of the sci-fi genre, mostly not not my my nice coffee table photo books, or I should say, hasten to add, not not, not my little growing collection of zines either. <laughs> um, and I found uh, some books from two thousand and nine uh, where I had taken portraits of uh, various members of extended family, um, and I'd forgotten about it completely. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, actually, um, I was quite new to photography in those days. Um, 
definitely a lot of overprocessing of photographs. <laughs> Uh, the shots themselves, the base shots underneath the processing, uh, hmm. uh, uh, not not too bad. Um, it reminded me of that line, which I think, what was the band from Sheffield called? And uh, not Def Leppard, the more recent Paul. one. Kaiser Chiefs. No, more, no, more, more, no, God, this is, we're aging ourselves here. Not the, not the Leopard, not Pulp, um, who were actually a, a, a growing band when I was a student in Sheffield. Uh can't remember anyway um there, there's a line from one of their songs which says something like i can't see through your fake tan and my my, my own post-processing techniques reminded me of that line <laughs> <laughs> anyway never mind so so yeah so so it, it it um so well so so ian tell us about it i mean you say so i'm intrigued already because um it doesn't have to be you can do it in a day it only costs two quid i mean that that's cheaper than shooting a roll of film isn't it they they really are. Um, of course, it depends on your kind of production values. If you want kind of stiff covers and, and 60 pages and that sort of thing, then it's going to cost you a little bit more. Um, but the latest one that I've, I've just put out was, uh, I think it was 24 pages. It did have a slightly stiffer cover just to uh, just to give it a bit more kind of physical presence, if you like. Um, but it was, you know, that, that was, I paid £50 for... 25 plus postage so yeah they're, they're effectively two pounds each so um and minimum order quantity i think from mixum which is the company that i use is 12 or 13 or something like that is the minimum order so you know they are they are pretty cheap yeah. certainly the, the, the postage cost for posting them out to people is more than you'll you'll spend on actually creating the zine so I, i've got a question because uh, before before you started making zines, were you printing your stuff regularly anyway? Yeah. Um, so I've had a I've had a half decent ink, inkjet for a while, and before that was kind of you know ordering prints from from various companies. Um, so I always had a I had like an A4 paper box of of just the best prints from you know the last couple of months, and I took them in there and just leave them on the on the kitchen table sort of thing, just just to Again, that that thing I was talking about, I just just about picking them up and rediscovering them a couple of months later, and and just the kind of random nature of that um, of stumbling across things that you know I, I, I like, you know, I, I think uh, uh, so. So I've always been keen to print stuff um, for that reason, and you know, everybody's got concerns about hard drives and about. Um, about digital rot or whatever it's called, but the, I've you know, got the idea... a lot of concerns about digital <laughs> rot. But yeah, <laughs> just the idea of having a box of prints that uh, that you can grab and take out and share around, and and just as you say, just stumble across in in years to come. I think I think it's really really powerful. So from from having now made a transition to making zines more for somebody. So if we take out of the equation the idea that you perhaps want to sell it to raise money for yourself or a charity or something like that, if you're just doing it as a, a passion project for yourself in the first instance, what do you think is the benefit or if there is a benefit of making zines or photo books rather than just getting prints made? So I, I, I think there's a value in in bodies of work rather than individual images. I think you've got to be a really good photographer to tell a story or to to give a true kind of mood and a, and to to express what you're feeling about a particular subject in one image. I think that's virtually impossible. 
Um, but you can do that with as few as, you know, with a handful of images or with a handful of, uh, of pictures, again, to, to either tell a story or to set a scene or, or to create some sort of mood, you know. Um, and so, so the idea of a book, <clears throat> a book rather than individual, individual prints, I think, is, uh, you know, makes more sense to me. Mm. What, what was your first scene that you put together? So the first one actually was, was um, I, I was in a, I was part of a photography exhibition that was me and a Polish guy and a guy from the Czech Republic. And we, we'd all been to visit the guy in Poland and, and shot pictures in his area, which is a kind of post-industrial area of southern Poland called Katowice. And uh, an art curator in Poland saw saw one of our work and and, under, and and then discovered the story that we'd met up and we'd kind of traveled over there to meet this guy and been shown around and all produced their own work from the area. And he said, I want to put an exhibition on of that. So um, he invited three of us to do that. We submitted uh, four or five pictures each, I think. And it was in a pub in, in Wrocław in Poland and then moved around to a couple of other cities in Poland. And, and this was the first time I'd been involved in anything like that and i was completely blown away i was really kidding myself i was like a, an artist and i was i was kind of this big time photographer just because i got some pictures hanging on a wall in a pub um so more, I more than to, i've ever achieved well <laughs> I'd, I'd still look back on it really fondly that the opening night which you know it wasn't kind of little triangle sandwiches and, and wine it was it was it was a beery night um because it was in this this really good pub um but but I wanted something to kind of remember that that whole experience, the exhibition and meeting the guys and and for them to kind of, you know, for people that couldn't make the show, I wanted some way of, of showing them the work from the three of us. So at that point, investigated what the options were for getting that printed. And that led me to to putting them into a into a zine format. I used Mixum for the first time and I, I think we printed sort of 25 copies gave them away instantly, printed another 25 copies. And I think we probably moved, probably um, gave away about 100 copies of that to just to friends and family. And then people got to learn the story and, and were interested in it. And so that was the sort of first taste of it. Uh, and, and yeah, really enjoyed that part of the process. I mean, we'll, we'll perhaps talk about the process of putting one of these things together later on. But I, f I find that it, it brings more to my photography than just going out and taking the pictures. So when you've got to think about how pictures work together or, um, you know, what paper you want to print them on and, and uh, you know, the shape and size of the, of the finished product and that sort of stuff, I enjoyed all of those decisions. And, and as I say, it, it made more sense. So when I went out shooting photography after that, I was thinking already about how that might look in a, in a zine format. And, and so gave me a little bit of guidance rather than wandering around aimlessly taking pictures you know, I had a sort of end result in, in mind. So, that's so interesting. That, yeah, that first one kind of led to another one pretty quickly afterwards, really. So can can I can I ask then about, you know, I guess the, the starting point is to create content, isn't it? And, uh, you know, between Rachel Graham and I, uh, we've got a mix of, of content that already exists and, and could be curated and, oh, and content that would need to be created. 
Um, uh, now, I, I don't, not having been through this process really properly before, um, I, I don't really know much about the curation, uh, curation, sorry, uh, side of it. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of an armchair student of cinematography. So I know, I, I know that, you know, in cinematography, there are concepts such as establishing shots and, yeah, you know, and close ups and, and things like that. Is, is, is that, uh, is, is it sensible to think about the content of a, of a body of work for print in that kind of a way? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the study of sequence in photo books is, is you could spend your life reading about that and, and studying it, you know, yourself and, and, and photo books, part of the reason that photo books can be, um, art rather than just a collection of, of pictures is, is to do with the sequencing and to do with the stories and the, again, the mood that you can create with, with, with pictures. And, and a lot of that comes from the sequencing. It's not just the images that, you know, they, they're greater than the, the what's, what is it? Greater than the sum of the parts sort of thing, you know? Um, so certainly, yeah, talking about establishing shots, you, you'll often look at um, photo books that open with that sort of wide scene, they might have have doorways or they might have cars if you're about to start a journey um you know though they sound fairly cliched but but do start to again set the scene so as you start your way through the through the book um you can you're being led on a story and you're you're even subconsciously people as soon as they see a car door or a steering wheel or they're looking out through a through a, a windscreen or that sort of thing you're telling people that you're taking them on a journey, if you see what I mean. Um, and of course, you can overthink this, and you can, you, as I say, you can you can study this all your life. You could just chuck a set of pictures into a book and let let other people work it out for themselves, or or kind of overlay their own narrative to it. Um, you, you can be as 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 arty with this as you want, or or as straightforward as you want. I think, but um, but I think in terms of content for these things, so. So it's either a case of, of coming up with a theme, going out and shoot and work for that, which might be a day on a hillside, as we were talking about, or it might be, you know, it might be four or five years of, of collecting a certain type of image, which is which is what I did with a zine called Fabrica. Um, or what you might do is is do that in retrospect and, and kind of if, if you if you spend long enough taking pictures, you, you tend to create collections, I, I find anyway. So if I see a, a, a 1980s, 90, early 1990s Mercedes on the street, I'll take a picture of it and I'll, you know, I'll try and make it an interesting picture. Um, you know, likewise, if I see, you know, concrete flyovers and concretes in, in, in at sunset, I, the light on concrete and things like that, I have a, I just have to take pictures of it whenever I see it. <laughs> and, and, and everybody has these sorts of, of collections i think so again thinking retrospectively back through your lightroom catalog you can be begin to drop these things into a into a folder and start thinking about you know if you've got a collection that might be you know might be, might work together as a as a sort of body of work that yeah uh, that, that that i guess is how you get a, a book about abandoned mattresses isn't it yeah uh, 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 which is which which of course is, is, is so for those that don't know the reference is, is a reference to Alan Mystery's book I forget the name of it but it's a great book <laughs> and no, I really like it and I guess what happened there was he got he suddenly realized I've got I've got seven or eight abandoned mattresses here now and I'm going to go out and find maybe another four or five and then you know when I get to that point I'll I'll think about putting it together into into a collection like that 
And as I say, I think we've all got collections of, of some description and we might not even realise it. But I think if you if you wander around with a camera long enough, you'll naturally be drawn to the same kind of subject matter over and over again. Do you know, I've just had an idea because I know a lot of uh, these uh, digital asset management applications these days have got quite good searching in, even if you never keyworded stuff. Mm-hmm. I, it might, might be an interesting exercise just to spend yeah spend five minutes putting in some odd keywords or it, it search words into into your library of photos and see and see what the algorithms bring back <laughs> yeah yeah it, 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 it may well be the case that there's hidden collections there that you haven't even realized that you've got um so yeah might be worth investigating that um I, th- I think the other the other thing that can be difficult when you as we talk about um curation of of the work is Again, depends what you're trying to do with it. If you're trying to just show off your best work, then that might be different to creating a, a story and creating something that's a little bit more um, artistic. If I say artistic, I don't want to put people off, but you, you know what I mean, right? If, if, if you want to create something that's more than just, a, just some pictures in a book, um, then you might have to think about chucking out the best pictures or the pictures that you like the most that don't work with the other pictures that are in the in the collection if you see what i mean yeah yes because yeah. you, you've got to think of it as a coherent whole you have yeah and, and of course the, there's the the asterisks after the after all of this is you do whatever the hell you want this is your this is your work um <laughs> this is but, but, yeah but it, i mean sorry barney gone no yeah. <laughs> too many names too so, many names yeah it's, it's it this can be whatever you want um but um as I say, the, the curation part of it. I think the thing to do is is certainly start with more pictures than you're going to need. So if you start with 50 and, and cut it down to 30 and just make sure that you go through that process over and over again, just to make sure that you're, you, that when you come back to it in, in three or four years time, you don't think, Oh, that, that, that just looks out of place. Or I wish I hadn't put that in, in there where I have just, just spend your time thinking about that. The, the good thing about these, these cheap, print on demand printers is that you can change the file re-upload it if you if you see a howler or see something you're not happy with you can easily change that and and, uh, and all yeah that. good yeah good point yeah that's one of the things i do love so much about this format is as you said you can do whatever the hell you want with it uh, you can go down the route of okay i want this to be um a considered collection on a theme put together as carefully as possible so that people get taken on. So it is um, a kind of a, a portfolio piece that you can give to somebody and hopefully they'll look through it. Uh, or it can be a collection of pictures that are meaningful to you, or it can be, I mean, I, I've got in front of me um, Matthew Joseph's book, uh, which is called 2019, but he's written in Braille on the front because um, <laughs> he was running out of ideas apparently. Um, but yeah, Matthew's book, it, it's, it's, clearly curated he's clearly gone through it thought about the pictures that he wants to use um and they're all cracking pictures on a variety of things but they're not necessarily i mean they're thematically linked in that he took them all in his surroundings but it's the story of his year that's the story within this and so he underneath each picture there's some random writing um about what was going on at the time or what he'd had to eat the you know, on the way to take the picture or something, you know, important like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do love the diversity. And I think you're right. I mean, I think we need to be sort of really careful to not overplay the, um, oh, this needs to be 
like the ultimate expression of your work because otherwise you can end up in a situation where you just get into analysis paralysis and you don't make a thing um because i think as you started out with with this uh well maybe not exactly because you you were doing it for this project that you were involved with but um it can just be a good way of collecting your pictures from a certain thing or a certain period into a nice book as, as a first step for yourself and you can get more than one copy done to give to family and friends but mm-hmm. um and and take the pressure off that way i think the only time i've done anything vaguely like this was years ago where i did it for um my now ex-wife's uh, 40th birthday i think it was something like that i just collected loads of pictures of her um and the kids into a book together and yeah it was i think just an entirely a personal thing for her but it was still an exercise in going through picking the pictures laying out and all that stuff so um it can be yeah it can be anything can't it it can it can it definitely can so i do something similar on the on the middle sunday of every february i follow my daughter around for the day and just take lots and lots of pictures of her and pro- <laughs> she's produce... gonna get less, oh, she less thrilled it. about she that four-year-old's a good year good age to do it yeah when 16 18 maybe when i'm flying around uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes but yeah just just doing that um curating that down to a to a sensible amount of pictures and then producing a book for her mother for mother's day which is that gives me about um about six weeks to kind of get the pictures done and uh, into book form and i've done that for the last few years but again it, it it doesn't have to have any audience or any you don't have to have anybody in mind to to see this stuff you know it could it could just be your family or or um or you know a limited group of people and you again you, you kind of you can you can target the the people that you're making the thing for and you can be as personal as you want it to be of course so so let's say that you've got you, know, you talked about the fact that if you look back through your collection through your prints you may see um actually recurring themes or you might have a collection of stuff or a body of work or a particular trip you've been on or something like that let's say you've got an idea at least of what images you might want to include in mm-hmm. your first scene. Um, what's the first step for you when you're deciding about how to go, you know, how your zine is going to be? What's the first thing that you're thinking about after you've decided broadly on the images? Yeah. So, so again, as I said, you, you 30 is, is quite a good number for, for a zine again, completely up to what people fancy but if you start having more than kind of 30 pictures in a book it can get a bit much if you know what i mean um you know from experience and from a bit of messing around with different sizes i've found that kind of 25 30 35 pictures at the most i think is a good kind of number so to get to that number i'd probably start with about a short list of sort of 50 odd probably uh, which happens to be the same number as f- of free prints that you can get from Boots or Snapfish. So if you sign up with an email address, you can get 50 free 6x4 prints. Ah. So often what you can do is is just get your your list of 50 pictures, get them all printed for free, and and start laying them out. Just just leave them laying around and just or stick them on a wall if you've got space or you know, on a, again, box on the on the coffee table that you can pick up every now and then, and just go through them and and start weeding out the ones that don't quite make it. Um, that's a, so that's an interesting process. I have done something similar yeah. once before. I have a um, for again for, from from some years back, maybe twenty eleven, uh, a couple of of collections I did on uh, just on one walk. I took a, a, a both both of them actually th- through London. 
in the daytime and but deliberately set a, a path a straight line between two points that would take you through various different neighborhoods yeah. although that's not really the right name for for, for, for areas of london um, uh yeah well yes maybe not quite boroughs i, I wasn't walking that far <laughs> But you know, it was, yeah. But but d- different areas, yeah. So, so yeah, residential, then big touristy places, then business places, that kind of the smart places, not so smart places, um, and and I ended up with uh, I, I can't remember, you know, uh, maybe fifty odd shots um, that I then printed out six by four. Do you know what I, I did? I had um, you know that um, that uh, roll of whiteboard stuff you can get that works by static. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where where you can put you, so so I had a wall in the house and and um, uh, that that had some space and I got sheets of this stuff. You buy it on a roll and it uh, and, you, and you can put the sheets up and they cling to the wall by static. But also your photos cling to them by static. And then you've That's it's a really good idea. Very easy, <laughs> very easy to move them around because yeah, they just stick wherever you put them. That's a great idea. I, I use that stuff at work and have never thought of, of that application for it and will be stealing some tomorrow. Oh, excellent. Well, I, I, I've added something to the process. Excellent. Yeah, oh, for sure. The Even idea if it's of, only of, inspiration for theft. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's, a, that's a great idea because so the next part of the sequence after you've started to thin them out is to start thinking about pairing them up um, unless you're going to go for one image per page, which obviously doubles the number of pages, makes things twice as expensive. Um, but but starting to pair pictures up, things that work well side by side. And again, that sounds maybe more difficult or more complex than it than it needs to. But I think I think anybody who takes pictures who who can understand any kind of anything about composition or or just just looks at lots of pictures will start to see when things work well next to each other or when they don't. Um, and that can be, you know, that can be leading lines that lead from one page to the next, or it can be, um, you know, similar shapes, circles, for example, on, on facing pages that, um, so there might be two completely different things that happen to have a similar shape in them and, and therefore make the thing, um, work well side by side. Um, so yeah, that idea of laying them out, which allows you to thin them down and then start to think about sequence, I think is, uh, is an is an interesting it's, it's an essential part of the process really mm. where do you fall oh not nurse um her i'm trying to think back to the zines of yours that i've seen and i'm very few of them have got much in the way of um writing along with the pictures have they yeah. i think a few have got some some notes with them but generally speaking it is very much the the, the pictures talking for themselves um how much more tricky does it make it if you do start introducing other elements like writing like descriptions like you know poetry whatever it may be for the sonnet 16 incidentally we haven't sent a poem for our sonnet 16 (laughs) (laughs) well it can go in the book absolutely um yeah i I mean does it make it more complicated I'm sure it does. I avoid it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so where where I stand on words, so I don't tend to caption pictures. I let people again work them out for themselves. Um, I, so something to think again, something to think about. If you put the writing, if you, so I usually do have some, you know, a paragraph to say the reason why this thing exists sort of thing. So, you know, these are a collection of pictures that made me think about this, that, and the other. Um, Fabrica, I did write a little bit more in that because that 
I'd spent, you know, I'd spent four or five years creating those pictures. They were pretty personal to me because they were talking about um, abandoned factories and 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 former industrial sites. And I'd spent at that point, I'd been in a, in the same factory for sort of twenty five years, I think, and had been through. So I'll tell you the story as soon as you're listening. Um, <laughs> so I'd. So 25 years in the same factory, you build all these kind of relationships with people and people come and go and you kind of know their life story and all that sort of thing. But you also build a relationship with the place. Um, so you walk in and out of the same door every day and you you operate the same switches and you sit at the same chair and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I was visiting these abandoned factories and thinking about the fact that people had had those same kind of relationships with these places that were now derelict and, and and you know fall into pieces and those walls and those switches that you could still see were you know, people had, had spent 25 years coming and going to those places so that was what the store that was what fabrica was trying to be about but um so i wrote i wrote a couple of paragraphs about that and and the fact that my memory is is really bad and uh so these places often I have more kind of attachment to them because I don't have to remember them, if you see what I mean. So that that relationship happens every day and has been for 25 years, so I don't sort of need to remember it. Anyway, if you read the back of Fabrica, it kind of makes sense. But I, I put that writing at the back of the book so that people could work their way through it and, and they could make their own mind up about what the pictures were about and then get my take on it. So you can choose to put your writing at the start of the book and set the scene and say, okay, this is these are all pictures about X, Y, and Z. And then people can already know what it is you, that you're trying to tell them. Or you can put the writing at the back of the book and let people work it out for themselves and then tell them the punchline or tell them, you know, your your take on it. Um, or you can, of course, caption every single image if that's if that's what you want to do. Or poetry, um, seen that in in quite a few zines now where where people have kind of um, put put that kind of, you know, creative writing alongside pictures. Um, and I struggle with that a little bit um, just because my understanding and my ability to understand poetry is probably not as – I'd sooner look at the picture itself rather than try and work out what the poem's trying to tell me sometimes. Could um, we put limericks with our pictures? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Has anybody done that yet? I mean, that feels like maybe this is virgin territory we should be <laughs> branching out into. I think we're going to split due to creative differences fairly soon. <laughs> I'm going to launch my own zine. <laughs> but all of my pictures were taken in Nantucket, eh? Did you? <laughs> with a camera made out of a bucket. Yeah, OK, fair uh -huh, enough. Uh -huh. so, that was, so, that's not what it was rhyming with, Nantucket. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, luckily, you, yeah, luckily you've never been anywhere other than Solihull, so you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, it, there, there are there are so many ways of doing this. And and um, uh, Graham mentioned uh, our good friend Matthew's book, um, who, despite being bullied senseless all year, has has dedicated his dedicated his his 2019 book to somebody called Cockwomble Jago. Who I think I might know. <laughs> That's a little uh, rude. Also, he at the back of the book retracts that dedication and dedicates it instead to blooming um, Jack that, Johnson, who admittedly is a far nicer person than me. That, that, that no, that, that he just stuck that page in the copy he sent to you. Nobody else has that page. <laughs> <laughs> 
So remember what Ian was just saying about you can log in online and you can change things very easily. And <laughs> the good news is, is you've got a one-off. <laughs> Limited edition. It'd be worth a fortune. It would be. Yeah, yeah. It, will, it, will, it definitely will be in the future. So, yeah, but but I, I the, the reason for bringing it up um, is uh, I I do uh, I I'm not I'm not a great one for for artist statements, uh, um, uh, no. particularly. Um, uh, and I think I like the idea of including words at, at the back of a book, uh, pre- prefer- uh, um, rather than at the front. But I, I also do like the 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 very uh, irreverent narrative style <laughs> that Matthew has for his. Um, it 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 really sets the tone. Um, uh, and yeah, it's, definitely. It, it's always and great these, fun. these things. These things will reflect reflect your character in some way, won't they? Um, you will learn a little bit about the person that's made it by the sort of things that they've chosen to to include. Um, so yeah, limericks will perhaps <laughs> perhaps set up set set the scene nicely. There you go. I think this is definitely a thing we have to do. Um, <laughs> I, I had a thought somewhere and I instantly derailed my own thought, which is quite impressive. Okay, I remember what it was now. Okay, so I'm looking at um, so I've got a selection of people's zines that I've sent. So I've got uh, the recent one that I got sent this last week by Fraser Yule. Um, I've got Matthews. I've got a couple that uh, Martin Scarn has sent me, which he made at home. Um, all very different. Um, I'm looking at Fraser's now. Um, and um, a question I have is about. So we talked about the idea of how you choose what images you want to use and sequence them, and that's all great and fine and simple, assuming you're going with one image to a page, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, what about when you start getting a bit more complicated and start putting more images on the page or images and text and stuff like that? Um, how do you, I suppose, to begin with, what software do you use? How easy is it to do that? Are there any up the online printing services out there that make it easier than others to do that? Or do you have to approach all of them with pretty much a finished product and just go print this, please? Yeah, so so there are there are options. So if you can use InDesign, if you have access to InDesign, InDesign's really expensive. I think it was £20 a month for like a subscription thing. So I've, I, I think I tried a, a trial of it briefly. It was too complicated to understand in the seven-day trial that I had, so I gave up on it and and, and did something else. Um, if you use Mixum, again, don't want to com- completely keep pushing Mixum, but the, the, their service has suited what I do pretty well. Um, they do pr- provide kind of downloadable templates that you can use, um, and then it's a case of dropping pictures in to, to fill those shapes effectively. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I prefer to use um, Lightroom or, or Photoshop, um to to so i'll create a page which is the size of the uh, the page of of the book that i'm going to use and do it one one-to-one scale sort of thing and then bring the picture in and if there's text going alongside it or multiple pictures i'll actually move them around on the page manually if you like and position them where i want want to position them and then eventually once you've once you're satisfied and you've kind of done all the pages and you're ready to go you can sort of flatten those down save them as pdfs ready for the upload um but i i think if you're able to think about it in a in in, in a way that will allow you to produce each page individually like that rather than using templates and um and the like then i, I for me that's 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 the way that works best um it, and it gives me more sort of control over what i'm doing um 
but yeah, there are, there are options out there. InDesign obviously is what the pros use, and uh, having seen one or two zines that have used that, you know, you, you can tell. Um, particularly if you're using text and overlaying text onto pictures and things like that, then it's it's particularly good for that. Um, as I say, the templates from Mixum are pretty good, but again, you've, you're a little bit limited to to what they've provided to you. Um, if you can use Photoshop, you can create. If you if you understand the the canvas size control to sort of create a a, a a background that's the shape and size of the final book, and then just you know position the picture where you want it, start um, uh, positioning text and things like that. And then if you if you copy or save as that page to the next page, then you will make sure that the image is in the same place and any text is in the same place on each page if that's if that's important to you. Yeah, I, I, it, 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 there's so many different ways. I mean, I, my, my own uh, attempts at publishing were uh, some years ago, and, and were were more sort of your know, corporate stuff rather than uh, anything as creative as this. But I remember there were lots of different options, um, uh, and you you can make it as complex or as easy as you like. Graham, I, I recommend we make our first, our first, for our first go. We make it fairly straightforward. <laughs> Oh no! I think complex is possible. No, I, I I agree. Definitely keep it simple. Um, yes, definitely. Um, because as you said, I mean, so I've got. I'm looking at sort of a couple of different ones here. So we've got, um, the uh, Kodak two two three eight project that um, you were part of in, and you yeah. put together the um, photo book for that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, do you just talk briefly about what that was, what the project was, and, and what the um, photo book sort of came together as? Yeah. So, so two two three eight was it's a movie duplication film. So, used in Hollywood for making hard copies of of movies. And uh, as I understand it, they separate the color channels and record each color channel of a movie onto a onto a piece of film you know like a like a, a roll of film um the way you traditionally think of a of a movie being projected um but they do that three times for each of the color channels uh and the film that they do that onto is this this two two eight two two three eight stuff so in if you happen to be in hollywood it's available in these in these huge roles for this this particular process um so a fellow called michael bartasek who runs the ultra low iso podcast um he got a roll of this stuff, so a bulk roll of it, and decided to kind of reach out to the Facebook film community to say if anybody's interested in shooting this through stills cameras, he was going to um, he was going to um, bulk roll it into thirty six exposure rolls and send two rolls each out to sort of thirty thirty five photographers around the world, um, and then we'd sort of work out what we're going to do with the pictures afterwards. So. He did that. Um, 30 of us signed up for it. Um, there was a Facebook group. Uh, we sort of had to compare notes a little bit in firstly how to shoot it because it was ISO, um, I think it's 3 to 25 or something like that. It's really low ISO and um, hadn't really been processed in in the normal chemicals that you can use. So your Ilfotex and and things like that. There, there were there weren't any recipes because this stuff was had never been used for this particular application. Um, so so that Facebook page sort of grew into being the the the, the reference point for two two three eight and people shooting that in 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 uh, normal cameras, as I say. Uh, and then yeah, eventually we um, kind of reached out to the people that had been involved in that original. Um, uh, 
bulk roll of film and said, send me your best two pictures and we'll put it into a zine. Uh, so that made the curation quite simple because I got 30 people sending me two pictures each and that was the content. Um, so all I really had to do was was pair them up and to make sure that I kind of gave everybody equal footing or equal you know status in the in the project uh, all the pictures are the same size they're all laid out in more or less the same way obviously there's landscape there's portrait there are a couple of panoramic um, pictures in there but they, they all take up the same amount of space on the page if you see what I mean so they're all you know it was kind of a, uh, you know equal across all the people that were taking part um, yeah and I did that with that was just using Photoshop bringing it bringing the image in extending the canvas size up to the size of the page that's that, as it's going to be printed and uh yeah working out a sequence and that was so i did print all of those pictures out laid them all out on the floor um paired them up into into uh, uh pairs that kind of made sense next to each other put them in a sequence that i thought i thought worked and then used those prints and actually put one of those prints in with each of the copies that are sent out when we when we produced the zine and we produced 50 copies uh, so everybody that was in the original um, group got a copy, and then a few people uh, were interested as well, and 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 we sold those as well. Um, I put a cover on it. I kind of mimicked the Kodak colours and found a font that was more or less the Kodak font um, for the for the kind of title page, and uh, yeah, mix and printed that. Uh, it, it is quite a thick box. So that again, as I say, it's sixty pages. Um, again, there's a heavier cover on that, so. Um, it's probably got the highest production values of anything that I've produced so far, but um, people really liked it. And as you say, it was it's more book than zine, perhaps. But uh, but yeah, it's a really good record of the project. Mm, yeah, it's lovely. It's it is it is a really lovely record of the project. It's beautifully put together. Um, it, because obviously it's all black and white images. Um, one of the things I find interesting about it is that you've chosen some of the pages the images are displayed on with the white background mm. some of the pages with a black background um was that just is you going through with each one just trying them out on each side seeing which look best or um was there some other thought process behind that so my favorite my favorite look to photo books and and zines is this idea of having a black page and then the the white bits of a black and white image kind of coming out of the darkness so um, again, another zine that I put together a few years back with um, Dan Smith was called Nighttime Adventures in Neopan. And that was that was all pl- printed on black paper and was just, as I say, the, the barest amount of detail of, of a street lamp or of a, of something lit by a lamp coming out of the darkness <laughs> of, of the page. So, something lamp-based, basically, <laughs> would be important. Thing. Lamps did play a significant part in that project, yeah, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that look. I like I like black pages and kind of sort of leaning into the picture to kind of work out what it is that's that's being shown there. Uh, and and some of the pictures in the two two three eight that were submitted to that, I thought would look good in that kind of situation. So on a black background, black border, so you can't see where the edge of the picture is and where it sort of fades to black. If you see what I mean. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's why that's why some of them are on black pages, and uh, and and in a couple of cases there were pictures that were really quite similar, that um, that I, I, tr- I tried both ways. I tried with white and tried with black, and just decided which I like the look of better. <laughs> so it's it's nothing more scientific than that. Than that. No, yeah, that, that's cool though. It's yeah, I, I I like that. I have to admit, I I am 
uh, a fan myself of, of the look where you can't tell where the photo ends and and the the, the background begins i have to so say just on, on on the topic sorry. sorry go on no i was just gonna say if you do like that look and as i say i'm a really big fan of it there's a there's a french photographer called david nissen and his work is all like that and it's all oh, right uh, okay it's really worth checking out. So he's a commercial photographer, shoots stuff for Hugo Boss and whoever else it is. But his, his personal work is all nighttime stuff and he's all printed on black paper, really dark pictures with just the slightest amount of detail. It's really, really good. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm just, call, I'm just calling that up now. Yes, I, I can see that I'm going to have to spend a little bit of time on this website. <laughs> and I, I have to say, just, just a comment on, on the... the uh, on, on, um, the two two three eight project because it features it features in a in a post on your blog called top five posts of twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and I looked at it and and the lead picture for that is of a lamp post and I just, just my my brain just said this post is going to be amazing this is going to be the top five lamp post pictures of twenty nineteen. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was number six. <laughs> I was thinking this is going to be going really like that. The best best lab post from twenty nineteen. That would be a good. That would be a good blog post. There you go. There's a good creative idea for you. Good blog so post. I, I, once, I once had a conversation with Mister Emulsive, who said, "Oh yeah." So when I think of your photography, I think of of street lamps, of single street lamps, and I thought, well, that's a really kind of limited. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> if, if my life's work is 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 like one street lamp that's i've not really done too well it's, but i i, I wouldn't say that but i would say it is a, it is a signature lamp. image of yours <laughs> yeah I, so i was shooting that sort of thing on on digital before i sort of returned to film and uh and the reasons for doing it were that i tended to work during daylight hours particularly during the winter obviously and it was always dark whenever if i wasn't in work it was dark so that was all i could go out and shoot so uh that's that's where that came from good um, stuff can I- because you've done various different zines in various different styles, you, you started off um, with your simpler ones, and then up to things like the two two three eight, which is um, you know a very nice production. Um, f- how many pages did you say it had in it? Fifty. Oh, it's sixty pictures, I think. So, so there's 60 probably pictures. six. Yeah, a few more pages for a little bit of text. And and it is nice, and it's one of those things that kind of crops up um, as we're talking about thing, these things as we get sent them. You know, in this in this week we've had phrases come in. Which is beautiful. It really uh, I've got, is. Um, yeah, I've got the um, Light Leak um, magazine here from the Shutter Slugs at um, UC Santa Cruz, which again is this lovely magazine. One of the things um, that makes a big difference in terms of, um, uh, I, I suppose, feel is the best word of um, these zines is the way that they are bound and put together. So, sort of by contrast, uh, and uh, this, I want to make this perfectly clear. This is not a qualitative contrast. It's mm-hmm. just um, the the style and the absolute. I've got um, uh, Eric's all through a lens um, zine here, which uh, it, it, it's fant- I mean, it's completely different. It's um, so much production gone into you know, with all the writing and the, the um, imagery and in there, and it, it's a completely different thing. It feels like a, a, what I think of as a classic zine. Um, yeah. Uh, and the way that it's made is it, it's stable through the middle, and and it just, it's great. I, I mean, I love it. It, it just feels like a, a, a real zine ass zine. I think it's probably the best way of putting it. Um, <laughs> so, the choice about um, how you physically construct it also affects 
people's perception of the work, doesn't it? It definitely does. Yeah. So I'm old enough that I used to I used to follow Leicester City in the in the second division of of English football, and and zines back in those days meant you know a photocopied two two sheets of A4 paper folded in the middle with a staple through. Um, photocopied with somebody's um, strange thinking about about Leicester City, and that was a zine <laughs> back in those days. Um, and yeah, they've they've come a long way because of this this our access to this kind of cheap printing services. Yeah, some of these things aren't on zines. Um, I think the original zine ethos, that idea of you know running these things off, ha- handing them out at gigs or football matches, we've we've sort of come a long way from that. Um, but you know they they still achieve many of the same goals that you're trying to do. If it's if you're trying to get your work out there, or or you know think about putting things into a into a sequence and telling a story with it, you can do that with a with from the lowest budget through to through to you know things with a spine and a and a perfect bind and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but that but that those creative choices I think are. So I was talking earlier about about what it adds to your photography to start thinking of thinking in those terms about it so rather than just you know thinking of a picture and taking a picture and it sitting on your hard drive to think about how you're going to use it and what paper it might end up printed on and what where it will fit in a sequence of images and whether that would make a good cover for a for a for a collection of these pictures you know all of a sudden you, you you're thinking about photography in a different way uh, and and then yeah, paper choice um, covers whether you're going to put a spine on things like that. The reason I put spines on a couple of my books is again because I like that idea of it sitting on the bookshelf and somebody will see it. If it's got a spine and some writing on the spine, then then you know it kind of catches the eye a little bit more. Um, and yeah, so paper choice, for example, deciding on matte or gloss paper, matte really suits these dark images that I was talking about, but your blacks are never quite black enough if you're on matte paper. So you you might move to something a little bit more glossy to get it a little bit darker. Uh, and again, it's 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 another um, creative choice almost in, in how are you going to present this stuff? Um, yeah, all of those choices. Um, I, I'm thinking back over some of the ones that I've seen recently. And um, so we had Karen Freer's fantastic um, zine on roller derby. And mm. this is the first one that she'd made. Uh, and um, and it's a simply made, stapled, fairly small um, zine. Um, but it just suited the images really nicely. Um, it's one of those things, I, I look at the stuff, I think it's, it could be quite easy when you're putting together a zine or a photo book to think, well, I want to make it look as photo booky as possible. So, okay, well, I want it to be this lovely, perfect bound thing with thick paper. Yeah. And um, but I don't think that necessarily suits all types of work. I think you, it is important to look at what you actually want what feelings you want to instill with people and kind of um, because, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it, it, these photo book ass photo zines, beautifully suit some work um fam- you know they, they are things that you will put on your bookshelf and come back to and enjoy and enjoy mm-hmm. as you with all of these but um yeah there there are certainly other content which just think uh, it, it does suit a more simple um i'm trying to think what the polite way i guess a low rent 
approach to it um, just suits it more. Uh, yeah, and and low rent. I think you should you should be say it loud and say it proud. It doesn't need to be a, it, it, that that can be a, a kind of aesthetic that you that you're looking for. You know that 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 um, to, if, if something is a book, then you're you're almost changing the. Uh, the the audience that you that you're going after in in some ways I think um, you know the, the idea of a simple pamphlet that you can stick in your pocket and fold up and don't don't care if it gets a bit damaged and a bit dog-eared and that sort of thing then yeah that, that that's 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 just as good just as as I say it's it's achieving all the same goals that you're setting out to do so yeah, yeah it's, it's it's just an again it's that asterisk it's do it however you want to do it, and don't worry about um, you know that it's not a shiny paper or as as not as, you know the paper's not as heavy heavy weight as somebody else's. It's just it's it's up to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I realise this is a very difficult question to ask, um, so uh, here it comes. Um, I know you you get a lot of zines yourself. You've um, taken delivery of several this week that I've seen. Do you have any from over the last year or even further back than that that particularly stand out for you for one reason or whatever whether it's um the way it's been put together whether it's the content whether it's the construction where is are there any that have really um leapt out to you and you've looked at and thought okay going forwards i will be doing things differently <laughs> because of this scene yeah so um even this week as you say i've had so yesterday i had a I had four different zines delivered uh two of those and it seems a shame to kind of pick out two but there were a couple in there that that really kind of struck me as being as being fantastic and kind of showed me that the you know the the bar on these things is 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 being raised all the time that people are more and more people are getting involved i think is is the key uh so one of them's from a guy called ian turpin um i'm not sure if i've heard his name on your podcast oh you certainly have yes frequent correspondent ian um so yeah i mean his so he went out and shot um shot a project where he set his shutter speed for a second and then went out shooting for a second and and what's it called deliberate intentional camera movement is it called that uh Um, yeah 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 so he went out and did that which you know sounds a little bit of a gimmick and and what have you but but it's great, and and again, it's really simple. It's all black and white. It's it's not too many pages. It's on the the paper's not particularly special, but I think the consistency of the work and and just the the, the simplicity of it, I, I'm which is what I'm all for. Um, I start getting envious if I see things that are really kind of overcomplicated and sort of working out how they were laid out or produced. These simple ones that I think are kind of aspirational that any of us can can do. They're all achievable for somebody with limited um, talents in terms of uh, InDesign or, or, or just creativity. Um, so his is, is really kind of aspiration and just just really simple, but the quality of the work and as I say, the consistency. He, he's picked a theme, and I don't know if it was if it was one or two roles or if it was all in the same day, maybe. But it that consistency just just makes the body of work more powerful more more cohesive and more uh, kind of more memorable um so you might not remember individual images in the in the in some of these books but if if they are consistent and uh have got a, a, a strong theme to them you'll remember the theme and you'll remember um the look or whatever it is about the particular about the particular zine 
Um, the other one that I got this week um, worth mentioning is Gareth Morton's book on Iceland. So um, he's raising money for the Australian bushfire appeals. So all the all the money that he makes from these zines, um, he's he's sending straight off of, off to Australia. Um, so he's not so he's not it's not just the prof- profits; it's all the money that he that he takes for these. And this is a collection of pictures from Iceland. Um, and this is a this is a um, 210 millimeter square um, book. Again, really consistent layout, one page per uh, one image per page. It's all in Iceland, which makes it makes it spectacular to to begin with. They're all um, film images, obviously, and uh, really worth checking out. I think he's still got a few left. It's a good cause. Um, definitely worth a look at that one. Um, and both of those, to, to your point, have kind of made me think about about consistency and about the idea of of not having too much variety in 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 future books than I might I might do. Um, so you know, pick a film stock, pick a camera, pick a a, a style. In the case of the uh, the camera movement one, and just that that will again provide a consistency and a a, a look to the book that that uh, will make it again. It makes it stronger than the sum of its parts sort of thing. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot to think about there. I like it. I do. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot to think about there. Yeah. I mean, I've, got, I've got that sort of feeling now. My, <laughs> my, my mind is going racing. I'm not sure if it's making much progress, but it's definitely racing. <laughs> I, I'm just looking on the Mixam website now. And just to give, because we've been talking about this, talking about, you know, you could do this, could do that. Um, I, I think it's worth, I mean, you mentioned earlier about the price of doing this, but to give people an idea of how much it could potentially cost, if you just really wanted to just have a go and just throw something at the wall and just go, well, I just want to go through this process to get, um, uh, I don't know whether they add more stuff on at the end, but I'm just looking at their sort of front cover page pricing here. So on the cheapest end of this, going for sort of an A5 black and white, uncoated, you know, fairly thin paper kind of thing, but basically a good, just a starting point, you could get 50 copies for 30 quid, which... That seems pretty cheap. Um, so you've yeah, got so, very little so, to lose with that, and you can get it uncoated, yeah. so you could just burn them if they're crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the last one I did, the the pilgrimage uh, thing, was was thirty copies A five um, with a so that was sixteen pages plus a, a four page cover. If you see what I mean, so four sides, um, and that was that was. That was kind of middle weight paper because I wanted to make sure you couldn't see one picture through the paper from the other side of the page, sort right. of thing. And that was thirty nine fifty for thirty copies. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's it is very very affordable, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, and yeah, I mean, if if you there are options whether you want to sell it, whether you want to give them away, or or raise money for charity, you know, I think there's and and something I've I've been thinking about um, doing this year, perhaps, and again talking to Ian Turpin about is the idea of a zine swap, sort of doing a emulsive secret Santa with where people can sign up and just ex- exchange their zines, and you don't you didn't you not you don't know who you're going to get, and you'll just get a zine in the post, and you'll send yours on to somebody else. Um, yeah. yeah. So again, uh, another, another good luck. Good luck. 
um, knowing how good people are, I, I think I, I was listening to somebody talking about, I mean, obviously Emulsive and M uh, and um, Iceland work very hard to make uh, the Emulsive Secret Santa work, even though there are always a few bad Santas with that. But I think I was listening to somebody else talking about a print swap and again, just people, people are not always great at holding up their end of the bargain. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you did bring up um, something I wanted to talk to you about because um, as we said, a lot of people are making zines and um, I'm on Mixam now, as I said, and it looks as though, um, well, you used to got 30 copies. I don't know what the minimum number of copies you can get there done, but it defaults to 50. But let's say you get 30 or 25. Um, yeah. That's still more than the one that you need. So there is then the thing of, well, what do I do with the rest of these? Um, mm. So you can send them out to people. That's great. If you're just going to give them away to friends, family, or just people who you think, well, they, they can't politely say no, so they're getting one. <laughs> um, but if you do want to try and recoup um, costs, have you sold any of your zines to date? Yeah, so um, so pretty much all of them, I think. Um, so one of them I gave away. I, I took all of them to a bookshop in the town where I'd made the work and and just gave them to the fellow in the bookshop and said, do what you like with these, and uh, just to see what happened, really. Um, but they were they were really cheap. That was a really kind of basic um it was a small i can't think it was kind of half of a5 so a6 i guess it was that mm -hmm. size um didn't cost me a lot of money at all didn't make too many copies and just just did it as an experiment to see what happened um but yeah i think otherwise they've all been sold or as i said particularly if you start bumping up the paperweight putting covers on to ship these things in the post as soon as you cross uh, 150 grams or something like that in the UK and I'm not sure what it is elsewhere in the world but postage costs seem to skyrocket as soon as you get above um, you know any kind of weight so those simple straightforward scenes are, are, are reasonable to send out and, and go as letters but anything above that you start getting to package territory and and you've got to you've got to charge a little bit of money just to sort of cover the postage costs if nothing else um, good, good tip yeah. there good tangible tip yeah, you probably want to check what that weight limit is <laughs> rather than me uh, me trying to guess from when I used to live in the UK. But um, the uh, yeah, the, it's an, a, another interesting thing to think about is certainly in analog photography, there seems to be a market. And I, I don't want to use the word market because I, I sell these things just to cover the costs and, of, of producing them. Um, but there are people that are interested and there are people that will give you a fiver for a copy of, of your zine because they collect them or they're interested or they, you know, they, they want to see how the, how they look and how they, how they, um, it, it may lead on to them doing their own sort of thing. Um, I've, I've never really produced a zine of digital pictures because I don't know who would be interested in those. I'm sure now that I've got a few people who've bought, previous stuff and you know I've, I've spoken to an awful lot of people about about zine projects that if i was to produce something of, of digital pictures then people may be interested in that um but it's it feels to me that there's there's certainly a, a market and if you had 25 copies of a zine and you're part of this analog film um community that people would be interested in it um do from you do you think that with with kind of the kind of zines that we've been talking about, that the main market for people who will be interested are 
other community members rather than a broader audience and should that possibly inform the way that you're putting them together as well because you you know i i i'm guessing that there's i mean i know i put these things in front of sinead and go look they've been sent this they've been sent this, and some she likes more than others because you know sometimes the content just speaks to her in different ways but um but i can't ever see it being the kind of thing that she would necessarily seek out um do you think it is primarily uh our peer group that is most likely to be interested in these kinds of things I think it, it it probably is, but as an example, I when I when I move to Ireland, there's a again another pilgrimage that happens where people climb a mountain called Croke Patrick on on Reek Sunday is the is the occasion. So every every year, so ten thousand people walk up this hill, and over the years, lots of famous photographers have photographed this because it's a pretty spectacular thing. All these people grinding the way up this this pretty pretty big mountain, usually in bad weather. And some of them do it barefoot as well. Um, so when I moved to Ireland, was really keen to go and take pictures of this, uh, and did that, and produced a zine of the of the pictures. And um, I was fairly new at work, as I say, having just moved over here. So took a couple of copies in to sort of show people. And as you say, people picked it up and were kind of yeah, that's all right. And one or two people, you know, were more keen on it. And then an electrician came in to change the light fitting in the office and he saw this thing and he said, Oh, what's this? And I, I explained, and he says, Oh, I do reek Sunday every year and I'll go and climb the mountain and I've done it barefoot and I've, I've done it for you know 25 years. And I organized the coach, um, that takes our church group up this, up this hill every year. How many copies of this book have you got? And I said, well, I've, I've, I've got a box. Full of them. He said, I'll have as many as you've got. <laughs> <laughs> and and he gave them to people for his for their Christmas presents. And it's just, so I think if the theme is something, it, so it needn't necessarily be the fact that they're shot on film or shot with a particular type of camera. If if it's a theme that people are interested in, or uh, you know, if it's about a, a particular town or a, um, or an event, then again, the, the, there might be a uh interest in it i nearly said market again don't want to don't want to say market but there, there might be people who are interested in it who would who would be you know willing to give you a couple of quid for a copy of it mm. oh, that's great um it seems sensible because we're at the beginning of all of this I mean, you've given us some great general um advice on zine production um where do you think we should start i mean like <laughs> How do we make a zine? Because you've given us all the nuts and boltsy stuff. Um, you need to take this... pictures, first of all. But Listen, <laughs> I've got a whole flipping smorgies board of beautifully blurry pictures. Um, you know, so I, all right, first question I've got regarding our specific zine. Yeah. Do you think we should, and this is you know, just getting your take on this, um, should we try and make a zine where you know it's gonna have our, our our work from the three of us in there um should we try and make it one that is broadly consistent or should we try and break it up in ways that reflect us as individuals or you know i mean as, as thinking about it as somebody who looks at a lot of zines and as somebody who would be reading it rather than making it what do you think would be an easier approach for us to take in for not an easier a um, more digestible yeah. approach for people looking at it. <laughs> so I, I, knowing what I do of each of your uh, your photography, um, they're all pretty different, right? So if you're, I, I understand you were talking about using the myopic me 
uh, work, uh, which is pretty different to aid stuff. Um, you know, portraits with flash, for example, maybe maybe part of what he's planning to planning to include. Um, so, uh, so I think the three of you pr- produce pretty wildly different stuff. So I, I think trying to tie those together into a theme is going to be pretty difficult. <laughs> sounds, um, sounds like we should celebrate our differences rather than try yeah. and glue it all together. <laughs> so I think rather than trying to sort of mix it up and and you know create this kind of sequence as we were talking about that you do that you do three sets of six or eight pictures each or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and just have your own kind of subsections within it, and yeah, just just put some work that you're happy with, that you like, that, that you want to show people. <laughs> <laughs> That's already making it quite a lot harder for me. Um, <laughs> but it's just, but there's an element of being there's there's an element of psychology in this, isn't there? Of being brave, of putting stuff out there, and what have you. Yeah, I, you, you know that this is a this is a pretty nice community you know that that people are generally supportive mm. well yeah my experience is if <laughs> no they're lovely apart, i love our community apart from apart from one or two people who you can name but i'll i won't <laughs> um <laughs> well there's evan hamish for a start <laughs> yeah you, you'll get good feedback you won't necessarily hear from the people who hate it and throw it in the bin on day one you'll you'll hear from the people who want to tell you that they enjoyed what we, you've done so we might hear from jeremy who might tell us he's thrown it in the bin on day one but hey, that's there like, you go. <laughs> that's, that's jeremy's rolled out there <laughs> okay <laughs> um so okay well that's good i think that that gives us a starting point anyway uh, to sort of the fact that we're maybe going to try and think about it I think we probably figured that that might be the best case for us to go with, to try and um, do it separately. So I suppose really the next step for us is to work on our images um, and try and figure out what we're going to produce content-wise for that. That seems like it's probably a good place to go next, doesn't it, Aid? I think so, definitely. I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I've been looking at some, uh, some of my stuff that, that already exists, but prom- prompted by you mostly, actually, to, to finally do something with travel photos from my trip to Bhutan. So, but, but they are going to be very different from, uh, certainly from your myopic me collection. So, uh, yeah. I think uh, I think the thing to do then is to is to start compiling these. I, I like the idea of starting with a long list uh, uh, and then whittling it down. Uh, I, I like the idea of living with them in a physical sense for a while and then maybe trying to pair them up. Um, uh, so yeah, def- definitely some really good some some good philosophical chat and some good tangible tips on how to get going. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I mean, we've talked a lot, but if you could, like, have you got, if you were to boil down your top tips for people with doing this here, what would be the top things that you would say from your experience, you know, successes and fails, the top things that you think, if people do these simple things, they're more likely to have success, what would they be? So, as as I just said, live with it for a little while. So, when you think it's ready to go, just give it another couple of days, just reread it one more time, just look at it you know, curate it or whatever you want to say that just, just pare it down to the point that it does what it, what, what you want to do with it. And you're not going to regret it in a couple of months time when you think, Oh, why did I include this or leave that one out? Um, so point number one is, is, you know, just live with it until the, you're, you're satisfied that it's going to be, it's going to be right. And secondly, just, just do what you want with it. Don't kind of worry about, about the peer pressure or the, 
you know, the, the other people's have, who've got more spare change who can produce something that's more lavish. Don't worry about that. The, the, the important thing is getting your pictures in the hands of other people and on their on their bookshelf or into their into their house, into their life somehow, and that can be done very simply. So don't don't overthink it. Don't don't uh, worry about it too much. And it can be as artistic or as as creative or as simple as you want it to be. It's it's your stuff, you know. Cool. Yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. Thank you. So you you did. Um, I think you covered quite a lot of this stuff, um, and perhaps some of it in more depth fairly recently on um, the Viewfinder Vikings, didn't you? Mm, yeah. Um, episode nineteen. <laughs> we we produced those episodes so infrequently that it's still the last episode, even though it was quite a while ago. Um, but yeah. I, so that that um, project we talked about, where I shot it and processed and and uploaded the the zine all in a day. I kind of talked through that, um, through that day, um, and through each of the process steps. Um, so yeah, take a listen to that. Unfortunately, the wind noise when I'm up on the mountain taking pictures is pretty no- pretty bad. But try and get past that, and then it kind of settles down in my kitchen as I'm processing pictures and things. So uh, yeah, check that out. All awesome. good. Excellent. Well, we should we should we should probably start to wrap up. There should be yeah, Graham, unless there's uh, anything else particularly we need to to, uh, to get through or to cover today. I don't. I mean, I'm probably forgetting things, but I don't think so. I think we're all right. <laughs> Famous last <laughs> words. I think we're all right. Probably. Oh, I will tell you what, we should we should probably give some notice of the sunnies. I suppose, shouldn't we? Yes. Yes. I think. Well, we, I think we did briefly mention at the beginning, or maybe we didn't. Maybe we briefly mentioned before we started recording. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, was, yeah. <laughs> the beginning of this podcast was a while back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously we've been putting it off because no Rachel, and we really didn't want to do it without Rachel. Um, we are sincerely hoping Rachel's going to be able to rejoin us next week. Um, really, really hoping for that. But I think um, we're going to we're planning to do the Sunnies next week because if it gets much later, um, <laughs> we'll have to start taking votes for next year. So um, that's the plan for next week. Um, and hopefully Rachel will be back with us. So we will be fab force three or, or, or maybe four matthew matthew really wants to join us and i'm tempted to say well look if you want to get up in the middle of the night you know <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it um so yeah that's where we are with the sunnies okay cool all right well in which case then uh that's probably it for this week isn't it um ian thank you ever so much for being on the on the podcast uh finally it's a pleasure. <laughs> finally have, have has it been everything you hoped it would be <laughs> No, I think so. I wrote a couple of notes about kind of the process, and I think we've touched all of that process and uh, in an order that makes sense. But if if anybody needs any help with putting them together their own zines, if you guys need any more help um, with particularly how to use the Mix and website, which can be a little bit clunky, there are alternatives out there, of course. Um, yeah, give me a shout if I can help. Okay, thanks. Which is which is a good prompt actually. Uh, that that uh, where where would you where would people find you on the internet? And where where do, where do you promote your work? So I have a blog which is barnabynot.com and barnabynot on Instagram, Twitter, etc. Um, yeah, I'm fairly regular on all of those things. So uh, yeah, come and say hello. Cool cool thank you okay well uh that's it then uh folks uh we have been the sunny 16 podcast uh we well it will play you out actually now uh we with Rasha's band rocker you can get their album promises i should have kept on Bandcamp and uh, apple and 
other places. Amazon, I think, as well. <laughs> oh, it's always so hard, this bit. Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, yeah, that, that one too. That one, Definitely that one too. Um, it has been an honour and a privilege to talk with you all. Uh, and as always, <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.